Hi, Sid. Hey, Chris. Nice seeing you. Good seeing you. What do you want to talk about? Um, <laughs> good question. DevOps. Ah! We're starting um, a podcast. It has a name. It has a name. Conway's Con. Right. Conway's Con. Yes. Uh, uh, I suppose we want to talk a little bit about what what Conway's Con, uh, where Conway's Con comes from. Right. Oh. We had a we had a long list of names we started with and ended with this. Is this a good one? We will know and we'll find out soon enough. Uh, <laughs> but uh, do you want to talk about what Conway's Law is or, uh, or a brief uh, talk about that? Um, I think it means the quality of the organization directly affects the quality of the product the organization creates. So crap in, crap out. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's in a nutshell version, but uh, uh, long, long, slightly longer form is the actual law states that any organization that uh, designs a system uh, will produce a design whose structure is a copy of the organization's communication structure. Have you, how we communicate, uh, effectively uh, dictates how something gets also built in a fashion. So uh, I won't go too much on this, but if you are communicating in silos or not communicating at all as silos, your product will also have uh, be built in a similar fashion uh, and so on and so forth. That's a short of it. Hey, that sounds really familiar. <laughs> Does it? Oh, yes. At multiple places. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Maybe we should talk about our backgrounds and topics. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you go ahead? Um, so I'm currently working with you, Sid, at a company called AI Cure. Uh, we do DevOps, which means that we manage the AWS infrastructure. And we automate code deployments as much as we possibly can, making um, an, an attempt to shorten the amount of time it takes to get to go from code to an actual deployed product in production. Prior to doing DevOps, I was a systems engineer and systems administrator. I'm a bit of an open source hippie, if I can do it. Uh, Free, Libre, and open source, I do. Uh, before I was in this field, I was a web developer. And I've been doing it going on, oh, crap, 18 years. 18 years. 17 years. Yeah. Since I got my first job as, since I got my first web-related job. Um, so yeah, currently living, breathing, Linux, AWS, um, automation, pipelines. How about you? I, yeah, I think I've, I've roughly been in this industry for about the same time, maybe a few more uh, years than yourself. Uh, I work with you, of course. Um, we do uh, systems, operational stuff, building pipelines, improving automation, um, 
and, and so on. And uh, <clears throat> but of course, uh, how it all started was that I used to play with operating systems a lot uh, at home during uh, college uh, during my um, during my final years of engineering, right? And then I just got into Linux, and I think that's that's how I got the bug. Worked uh, worked in system administration, and then um, worked, and then <laughs> in pre-sales. I don't know how I decided that immediately after systems administration, pre-sales would work, but I was not prepared for it. Um, then back into systems administration, then technical project management, systems design, and then into DevOps. That's that's where I'm right now. Um, yeah, I think uh, a lot of what I do is around trying to figure out lazier ways to do it, and that is to automate as much as I can. Uh, and yeah, just I, I think the idea of being able to create, build something which can then spawn everything else associated with it is is amazing, and that's something you can do today, right? Twenty twenty or so years ago, I was setting up servers with Linux on them, uh, with like putting a CD. Well, thankfully, I've never started with a floppy disk, I suppose. Uh, it was a it was a CD, and then making sure I could connect uh, it with a modem, and then even getting up a modem connection to connect to the internet was a pain. But today we are we are building servers sitting here in our uh, in our uh, homes, <laughs> launching <laughs> thousands of servers at the same time. I think yeah, and and thinking nothing of it, <laughs> thinking nothing of it, right building and destroying servers i suppose that is um yeah that's uh that's what that's what is exciting about all of the stuff that i do or at least i think i like about right that might be a good topic to uh, get into um linux distribution history which one was your first <sighs> slackware Ooh, nice um, funny you should you should mention distribution history, but uh, uh, and I'll tell you how I got into what's uh, Slackware too. Um, there was a magazine called PC Linux in India when I started, and they had um, Slackware on it. Uh, I think it was wait no, it may have it. I I can't remember if it was uh, Red Hat or Slackware. I can't remember, but. Yeah, Slackware I think was definitely my first distro, and then Red Hat, and then and then onto Debian, and I stuck with Debian for such a long time. How about yourself? I think my first was Mandrake. Oh, I remember Mandrake. Uh, Mandrake was also RPM based. I remember remember downloading the CDs um, over a modem that took forever. <laughs> But I did it. Um, yeah. Mandrake, then Red Hat 9. I bought a box copy of Red Hat 9 from a Best Buy back when you could do that. Um, tried to use that through college. That was not the best idea. Um, 
then Slackware after Red Hat 9. But the first, then Gentoo, and that was when Linux really clicked for me, was doing a Gentoo install. Um, after that, Ubuntu, then Debian, then just kind of all over the place. Everything from OpenSUSE to PC Linux OS to Puppy Linux to... Um, <laughs> Puppy Linux? Yeah, it's a super tiny lightweight distribution. I think it's a live CD. All sorts of stuff. And uh, lately these days, I settle on just Ubuntu 18.04 or whatever the current Ubuntu LTS is or Linux Mint. But I do, I did have a brief stint of using Arch and I do want to get into Void Linux because um, Void seems really cool and lightweight and um, doesn't use systemd but still manages to keep everything really, really simple. Right. What was the name again? Void. Void, V-O-I-D. Enter the void. All right. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I, I was briefly on Mandrake for a while, Susie. As a matter of fact, I wrote a, a magazine article on distributions. I should try and find it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, let's see if you can search by my name, Khadr Syed. Uh, Linux distributions. I think it was still there a while ago when I looked at it. Uh, oh yeah, I've only said your 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 nickname. You haven't said your yeah, name this whole time. Yeah, yeah. I. <laughs> it's weird. I mean, I, there's nobody else. Even I myself don't uh, say my own name as frequently as I. Uh, uh, yeah, as one would think I should be saying. Everyone calls me Sid, and that's what I'm right now. Um, yeah. Linux distributions. Was, uh, no. I'll have to find it later and send you a link. But uh, that, was that, I wrote, <laughs> that was my first uh, kind of my writing, probably first and more, few last, I suppose. Um, yeah. An answering machine but, while I was at IBM. <clears throat> um, Oh yeah, and I spent quite a bit of time with FreeBSD and ports. Cool, cool. I loved, I loved FreeBSD. Almost Tell compiled. Me more about that. It was. Uh, I loved. I, I think I, I spent a lot of time on um, with Debian, and I, and then like how you got onto Gentoo. I think I got onto FreeBSD because I was, I wanted to compile from ports. And so I would, <laughs> every, every morning it was a ritual, get the latest. I would always be on, I think what FreeBSD current, not release, current. So doing a pull of the latest source code, building the kernel, building the ports and doing that. So it was, it was great. I tried OpenBSD for a while. I couldn't do it. <laughs> Were you running that as a, as a server or a desktop? As a, as a desktop, oh, wow. I mean, I, I didn't need a server, right? I, I yeah, like at home, it was primarily my desktop system. The FreeBSD was my desktop. Tried OpenBSD for a while. I couldn't get all the software that I wanted. Um, FreeBSD, yeah, I used to like. A, I used to try a lot of operating systems. As a matter of fact, one of the first operating systems I tried was OS2 Warp. 
Very nice. Again, that's something I found in a, what do you call it, in a, in a magazine uh, CD thing. That was common back then. <laughs> I tried that two years ago. Or is to warp? Mm-hmm. On an uh-huh. IBM Aptiva. Is that still, uh, wait, what version was this? 4.5.2. Oh, I, oh, nice. I would love to get a hold of a copy of that if I could, if I can. Uh, you, can you can get it on WinWorld, Win, WinPC World, WinWorld. There's, there's a site that just where you can download all sorts of retro operating systems. Nice. If you do a search for OS2 Warp Download, it'll be one of the first results. Yeah. Yeah, I, w- I was running it on actual hardware because I was wanting to get, get to, I was wanting to learn it. I, I'm into retro, retro operating system. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember um, I learned this and then uh, when I was working at HP, one of the clients needed to, uh, I helped our clients who are running OS2 Warp on Dell to help them migrate to HP systems. So I had to figure out a way that they could run OS2 Warp on their uh, HP system. That was interesting, considering there was nothing else available back then. I don't know huh. why anyone would be still using OS2 Warp in a business environment, but okay. Why were they wanting to run OS2 Warp? <coughs> I, 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 don't, I don't exactly remember. I, was, I knew I just needed to get them to uh boot that operating system on hp and that that's that's essentially what my remit was uh, my challenge was so took me a day <laughs> multiple floppy disks modifying random bits and uh binaries and files so that i could get os2 op to boot and uh, boot and then uh, start the install on a hp linux uh, sorry hp desktop huh. yeah yeah, Very and then <clears throat> I also tried Plan Nine. I used to like just trying new operating system. I tried QNX. We had the free <laughs> <Nice>. version. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> I remember trying that desktop. I think around two thousand six or seven. That desktop was neat and looked good and was fast. That desktop, uh, QNX desktop. Oh, QNX. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Have you uh, have you looked at Haiku? I have. I used to. I, th- I think BOS had a free version for a while, right? Or was it always a free version? Um, I think BOS was for pay. Right. Haiku, Haiku is an open source re-implementation. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, I remember having the. I, I remember trying the. Yeah. Did I try BOS somehow? I can't remember, but yeah, I have tried haiku, haiku, <laughs> no, not haiku, but haiku. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Lots of different operating systems tried. What else did we try? Was there any other interesting operating system that you remember? Eli was a weird one. It was a enlightenment based Linux distribution. Eli? E, e live. Oh, e live. Oh, enlightenment on the topic of enlightenment. Enlightenment was my favorite desktop, both <laughs> on FreeBSD and Debian. E seventeen. Wait, I was on the, I was on E sixteen for the longest time, and they were doing E seventeen for the longest time then, and that's how E seventeen. I don't know. I think they're still on somewhere there. They're still active. Yeah, they are. <laughs> um, I 
think you can trying to see which if Bodhi Linux is still around. Bodhi. Because that one is um, Ubuntu preset up with the latest Enlightenment desktop. All right. Yeah, I used to like the transparencies and whatnot with um, Enlightenment. <laughs> now it's one of the, the uh, fastest desktops you can get your hand on, your, your hands on. Which one, Enlightenment? Yeah. So it doesn't have any of the overhead of uh, yeah. GTK or QT. Yeah. But then I used to make it slow somehow. <laughs> Adding lots of widgets. Oh yeah, Bodhi looks nice. So we wanted to make this DevOps related. Where's, right. a, where's a good start for that? What is DevOps? That's a good one. Nobody can agree on it, but it does have an official definition. And I wish job recruiters would learn what that actually is. And I wish the people doing the hiring would learn what that actually is. Well, I mean, I think, yeah, at, at the very least, um, the people in the companies doing the hiring know what DevOps is. I can understand recruiters not paying attention to not caring about what DevOps is. Their whole idea is I need someone to, I can get before someone else. That's their whole goal. They don't care. I think at least. The official <laughs> definition according to Wikipedia is a set of practices that combines software development, dev, and information technology operations, ops, which aims to shorten the system development lifecycle and provide continuous delivery with high software quality. So it's not something you can really be an engineer at, it's a set of practices where really we should be called DevOps <coughs> practitioners. That, that's, that's too long a title, I think. <laughs> that's probably how it went from DevOps practitioners to DevOps engineers with none of the practices <laughs> so we know what it is with um, we know what the official definition is um, what is the definition in practice in in the job market I think it's just a set of uh, it's uh, how do you say a more fashionable way of saying system administrators or uh, maybe a, f a slightly more uh, uh, with with a slightly bigger skill set, in, including not just uh, building systems, but being able to automate that stuff. I think that's what it means right now in the market. We're definitely doing much more than when we were. Uh, we're definitely doing much more now as DevOps engineers than we were as systems administrators when we were. Um, installing the operating system and mm -hmm. maintaining the state of that operating system and tweaking config files to tune Apache or Nginx or Tomcat or whichever, uh, whichever other server needs tuning. And it feels like even though we're touching the internals of the Linux operating system and its respective applications less and less, it still feels like we're doing so much more work. 
than we ever did back then. Just in the automation part of things. And it feels like the complexity is much higher these days. <clears throat> yeah, I, I am not sure I necessarily agree in that, in that, uh, I think what we do has changed primarily because of the increase of usage of cloud. Um, I think a lot of the stuff that we would have been doing, like tweaking a Linux operating system to making sure it worked for the hardware, making sure tweaking the kernel parameters to fit the kind of systems that we are looking to run for compiling custom images, custom stuff. A lot of that has changed. And I think because of the, because of the proliferation of cloud that has meant uh, proliferation and the use of cloud has meant that what we do has changed, right? I mean, you're no more spending time physically setting up physical hardware and uh, trying to boot them up and install software now that is all a click of a button but then we've moved higher up the complexity chain if that makes sense it's reduced the low-level grunt work to free yeah. us up to do more, more high, higher level automation so when you say cloud you mean hosted services aws or azure or yeah yeah i mean i, I think we do uh, the the problem the problem statement has changed. It's it's no it's no more about like um, getting two services to connect and making sure the Cisco firewall security groups are correctly set up and and all the config related issues. <laughs> all of that is not. That that is that is not the that is not the problem anymore. Those are not the challenges anymore. The challenges are different now, right? How to? Uh, it's a bit like moving away from coding in assembly language to coding in Python. Only we are not dealing with moving bits around. We are writing abstracted instructions in the cloud now. I definitely think we're in a better place. Yeah. I, I don't I don't miss <laughs> dealing with the hardware. I don't miss setting up monitoring for uh for for finding out when when the next hard drive is gonna pop. I don't right. miss setting up Zadix uh, yes. or Nagios. I do not miss Chef. Chef can go die in a fire. <laughs> oh, I, I don't miss um other configuration management systems of this <laughs> ilk like like um, salt or ansible and I, and I'm happy that we don't need them anymore because uh, uh, the, the 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 more we go on, the more we can do a better job with terraform and or cloudformation and docker files and maybe at some point some user agent glue but because we're not running uh, servers as pets anymore, those <laughs> tools are becoming more and more obsolete. So whenever I see 
whenever I see job descriptions for chef or ansible, it's like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> you guys are doing it wrong. You don't know what you're doing. I will never, ever work there. I do not want to be the one to tell you the better way to do it. You should have figured it out by now. It is 2020. Oh my God. I mean, I mean, it, this I, is Barbara I, Walters. I mean, <laughs> I mean, for a brief moment there, I was like, oh shit. All right. We used to write Nagio's config files. Uh, <laughs> for like, okay, slash dev slash SDA2. Uh, what's the, how do you figure out how much space is there and alerting on that? No, none of that shit. At least what we do. I'm sure there are people who are still doing that. I, 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 I mean, I don't envy them. The, the uh, lift and shifters. What's that? The lift and shifters, the ones that are treating <laughs> EC2 as just a, as another. As a proxy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, oh that aren't, aren't, no. um, aren't getting on the hosted services bandwagon. <laughs> kind of fills me with uh, both uh, dread and joy at the same time <laughs> like oh my god I'm not going back to that again <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure some people still like love, love to do that and more power to them I mean well not more power to them but <laughs> let them enjoy that but no you're not going back to that <laughs> At the last uh, global summit, there was there was one presenter that was um, just just last year was giving a presentation on how they made things so much easier by going with Chef. <laughs> <laughs> okay, dude. <laughs> oh my god, I should be laughing so hard. <laughs> I was doing Chef and Ansible and uh, uh, just less than uh, three years ago. Uh. I was doing chef four years ago. Salt before that. Ugh. <laughs> chef has got to be the worst of them, though. Not only do you have to deal, chef. Not only do you have to deal with 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 configuration management systems, but you have to fight Ruby dependencies because it's all written in Ruby. And every time they do a new uh, version, major version change, all of your, all of your recipes are now null and void, and you have to rewrite them. Right. Um. Yeah, we should we should pick on this uh, we, we should pick on this topic in 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 a lot more detail next time. Uh, configuration management tools, I think. I mean, because <clears throat> um, I see in the notes. Yeah, because I see this this exact thing happening with tools like Helm and. Uh, and other tools who have to do package management of their own internal stuff to deploy services and dependencies. I mean, I understand people like people love building software, but uh, and I think and and that I, I think that's where I want to talk about a little bit about my philosophy. Right, less is more. Like I was telling you, this, like there is stuff. There's so much stuff that is already out there and that you can leverage to make things easier, not just, for you, not just for ourselves, but also for developers. You don't have to go, go around and build your own set of tools if you don't have to, <clears throat> especially, especially in the cloud. Uh, yeah. I'm in agreement with you on the philosophy uh, for the most part. 
it feels like we're adding layers and layers and layers and layers. Now it's what's a what's a modern stack now? It's um running running Kubernetes and on top of that and on on let's say through EKS and then on top of EKS you have Helm charts that have their own set of challenges and dependencies. And then on top of that, Amazon now wants you to put app mesh on top of that to do sidecar proxies for whole different level of logging and monitoring and <coughs> and yeah, that's great. But a lot of companies they have what one or two or three products. Fargate will do just fine. Yeah. If they insist on going with the most Rube Goldberg ish <laughs> method possible. Gears and bits and bobs spinning and whirring and okay, cool. But uh that's a lot of overhead. Yeah, no. Yeah. Someone today starting if you're thinking, oh, let's do Kubernetes. Uh you already set yourself behind by a few years, I think. Uh, there's there's fun and clever and neat and I'm all for exploring new technologies but when it comes to production um, I'll pick boring every time <laughs> yeah yeah <coughs> boring means I can sleep yeah I mean don't uh, don't get too clever just for the sake of it I think that's at least that's that's what uh, well I mean to be honest I, I did try and see if I could learn Kubernetes. And I, and I did try Kubernetes for a while, but then it was, it was definitely solving a set of problems. And what were, what were the different um, uh, Docker uh, cloud orchestration services? There was Mesos, there was Mesos also, right? There was Mesos, there was Docker Swarm, I mean, there still is a Docker Swarm, and I think there still is Do Mesos. Mesos? Uh, yeah. Yeah. M-E-S-O-S, right? Mesos? Correct, yeah. <coughs> Docker Swarm, Mesos. Um, Core OS was a thing for a while, might still be. They came up with etcd. Yeah, they got bought over by Red Hat. OpenShift, which I think is now a managed Kubernetes platform. Yeah, I mean, op op OpenShift was basically a customized Kubernetes, and then uh, it became. Is it a, is it a managed Kubernetes platform now? Like, <clears throat> I'm yeah. I'm not sure. I've lost track. There's Project Project Atomic. Um, and I think that one was had Fedora as a requirement. No, thank you. <laughs> uh, looks like there's quite a few people who use, use who use Fedora, who like Fedora and use it regularly. I mean, um, yeah. As a it's, server, I, I don't get it. the the uptake cycle the, the uptake cycle is too fast. Yeah, I mean, it was meant. It was predominantly uh, meant for the desktop side, I would have thought, Fedora's, because it was always on the edge, right? Right. It's the um, the test bed for the next um, the technology that's going into the next uh, Red Hat. Yeah. 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 So, <clears throat> what? yeah, what was that? So, there was Mesos, Kubernetes, 
uh, Swarm, yeah. Yeah, it was those three, those three big ones. Kubernetes, Docker, Swarm, and Apache, Mesos. And yeah, Kubernetes won out in the end, and I think it was definitely a better platform amongst all of these. What was, the way did Docker Compose fit in this? Was this part of another orchestration framework as well? Was Docker, Docker Com was Docker Compose a part of a different orchestration framework? Yeah, I was, I mean, that's a question I have. I, have. I, I don't know, was it? Um, or was it just uh, an addition that was added on to allow for orchestration? I wonder if it was part of the Docker Swarm suite at all. I don't know. But I, I mean, I think um, I think Fargate is basically the underlying uh, underlying framework uses Docker Compose. I, I imagine. I know you can give it Docker Compose files hmm. as a, as a task definition. Because uh, when I look at the task definition file, it looks like a Docker Compose file. Uh, not not entirely, but uh, like in a similarly formatted way. Docker Compose. You, does Docker Compose uses YAML files, right? But can you? Yeah, it yeah. does. Um, <clears throat> and the structure seems similar to a task definition. I know you can you can you can pass in Docker Compose files to the ECS CLI. Oh, so that's that's an interesting feature. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And I think yeah, I think that that's that basically is, and I think building stuff on top of that. I, 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 I thought, uh, <clears throat> I've always thought that maybe it was the Docker Compose framework that they've essentially deployed with ECS and Fargate, mm -hmm. <clears throat> which, is, uh, which is pretty lightweight and just works without the complexity of managing nodes, uh, HCD <laughs> versions. Yeah, they're continually improving that one. Yeah. There's... They have all sorts of, Amazon has all sorts of products where that I'm constantly complaining and grousing about saying, why would they do this? Why doesn't this work? <laughs> what were they thinking? But, but Fargate, I really like that one. Yeah. That one just, that one is reliable. <clears throat> sense is simple enough to be approachable, but capable enough to do everything you need. I think they've struck a really good balance. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I, um, I did Kubernetes at my last job and learned it pretty well. Um, and I think I, I prefer Fargate for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> um, where do you stand on um, open source software uh, versus commercial software? I'm, I'm assuming we're, we feel the same there. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I... I think it's uh, having grown in the Linux culture, so to speak, open source and knowing what tools are there and being able to quickly get access to open source as beer software primarily though. So <clears throat> um, able to deploy and get support across all, all these years and has meant that my first option for anything tends to be either uh, open source or um, or even free 
uh, binaries where, where I can get those. But open source and open source has always, I think my, at least all the big software that is out there is, is all open source. And uh, yeah, almost everything we do is open source, isn't it? Um, everything we do is built on open source software. Yeah, but also um, we also use a lot of open source software. <coughs> um, it feels like uh, the more we go um, with someone else's hosted service, the less we're directly interacting with the open source software. True. <coughs> All of the Amazon stuff is is proprietary, even though it's built on top of open source software. Not not all of it. Uh, well, uh, well, I think uh, yeah. I mean, I think if they yeah, they've been open sourcing some of the stuff that they're building. For example, the most recent what was that Lambda thing that they released? The fire was it the firecracker? Yeah. Yeah. The uh, architecture. Firecracker Fire OS. <coughs> yeah, Firecracker OS. Yeah, Firecracker, lightweight virtualization for serverless. Yeah, that is really neat. Um, so yeah, they, they are, um, I mean, they are, uh, they are also building a lot of it um, and op open sourcing it because Firecracker can run, I think, on um, bare metal and basically give you the capability capabilities of whatever they you get from like lambdas and stuff <coughs> interesting but, stuff yeah but on the other hand even though we're using somebody else's proprietary tech and in a lot of places we're still not paying licensing fees we're paying what we use yeah but then again um sometimes self-hosting entirely with open source software is just not feasible today for example um, OpenStack. Yep, that's exactly where I was going. <laughs> have Have you ever tried it? Oh yes. Um, I mean, not directly. Um, at my previous place, we had uh, we had an environment running on HP private cloud. And guess what? It was based on. Well, guess what? It was built on OpenStack. Um, my and 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 that my experience with 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 HP Cloud was not good, which didn't leave me with a good impression of OpenStack. Uh, was it Neutron? Yeah, Neutron is the software. I think Neutron is one of the components that's used in OpenStack. Hmm. <clears throat> Either it's Neutron or Neutrino. I can't remember what it was, but yeah, uh, it was so bad. Um, it was so bad that it made Azure look good. So. Oh wow. <laughs> I mean, I, to be fair, Azure was pretty good. So, yeah, but uh, OpenStack was, uh, <clears throat> yeah, that's that's one software that I think that wasn't that was. I don't know if you put if it was ever mature. Um, I know Bloomberg uses it a lot. I think they build their private clouds with OpenStack. I think it's fairly mature now, but yeah. the barrier to entry is so difficult. Right. So many moving parts. It's, <coughs> it's heads and tails more complicated than, than Kubernetes. Um, it, I remember trying to set it up at home once and 
the I, I, I always have a home lab. My yeah. current uh, hypervisor is Proxmox. I've been running it for years. Love it. Runs great. Easy. Many professional enterprise great features. OpenStack, I decided, you know what? I'm going to try to replace Proxmox with, Proxmox with OpenStack. I'm going to learn this. So for... So, so before we go, before you talk about that, what's... Uh, tell me where... In which category each of these things fall in, right? You're talking Proxmox, Proxmox, right? <coughs> Kubernetes and OpenStack. They're, yeah, um, they're very... I mean, Kubernetes is, is a very different thing than OpenStack. And I don't Kubernetes know is for container orchestration. Proxmox um, is for um, managing virtual machines. OpenStack is a lot larger. It's managing virtual machines, managing um, storage. It, it you can build your own AWS right. um, like service using OpenStack. <coughs> so 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 I figured I would try to learn OpenStack in my own home lab. Three hours later, I couldn't get the documentation straight. I couldn't find the most up-to-date version of the documentation. Um, their SEO is horrible. Mm. Um, and after three hours of beating my head against it, I managed to finally get a virtual machine up and running, but with no network connectivity, so I couldn't SSH into it. Um, you, you compare that to Proxmox, you install it, hit create VM, do the install process, and you're done. So as just a basic hypervisor, mm -hmm. it's extremely difficult to set up to get even the most basic functionality out of it. Um, with, with OpenStack? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. At that point, I just kind of gave up and said, you know, I know I'm all about self-hosting and data ownership, but uh, Amazon's where the money's at, and that's the easiest one to use, so that's where I'm going. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, thankfully, uh, but in some ways, I think my only experience with OpenStack was at the, the whole HP cloud thing. And good thing they shut down. And I can't, I can't imagine why they shut down. <laughs> uh, but uh, gave me opportunity to move some of our stuff into Azure. And Azure was, a, was definitely a breath of fresh air. The technology is good. But their biggest problem was being able to make that technology production ready or stabilize it. It was constantly changing. It was stable, for the most part, stable. But your APIs would be changing between, like, versions. Like, and, and, <clears throat> uh, and that, was, that was two, three years back. I, I, I hope they've matured quite a bit now. But it, was, it was, but it was, sorry. Um, sorry. What do you mean? I cut you, I cut no. you off. I'm sorry about that. Uh, I mean, I was just saying, I, I think that the Azure, Azure was pretty good um, three years back. Uh, still unstable, I think still like early stage beta software, um, almost there. Um, mm. But uh, hopefully they've improved now. Uh, but they they were doing some really good technical stuff, I think. Um, some of the Kubernetes uh, founders, one of the I know one of the Kubernetes founders moved to Microsoft. 
<coughs> and and the other Kubernetes start uh, and one other and two of the Kubernetes founders started their own uh, company, which then got bought by VMware. Interesting there. <coughs> Interesting that VMware uh, has a relationship either with AWS now. So. Yeah, I've always wondered um, <laughs> what that is and who uses it and how it's used. And they I, they always have a booth at the AWS conferences, but um, they're a direct competitor to VMware. Correct. Yeah, I mean, you're just waiting to be eaten up. <laughs> so that's my thinking. <laughs> right. Um, so that's a few things we've covered, I think. I think we um, we got one thing to talk about next time, uh, configuration management tools. Configuration management tools. I've got experience with, wait, I played with, uh, I spent a lot of time with Ansible, of course. Spent some time with Chef. I spent some time with Puppet. So there's stuff there to talk about. What else is there? Oh, yeah, and then yeah. we'll, of course, what's that? And then we'll, of course, or Terraform and, oh, you ha did you say you played, uh, you work with uh, Salt? Yeah, I was heavy into Salt. I, I contributed to Salt. Oh, you did? I was kind of like, I, tr I dabbled in it for a bit, hoping like, maybe we should move to Salt. But <laughs> no. I think, uh, yeah, uh, we'll talk, we can talk about Terraform, of course. Uh, yeah, and yeah. Any interest in talking about um, historical stuff, how we got to where we are, um, like we as an industry, like uh, maybe picking um, AWS and how it became the powerhouse that it is now, uh, something that we can research? Yes. It'll be good, something to talk about. <clears throat> All right, historical um, research stuff. I mean, I do love, uh, love that... Uh, I do love AWS. I mean, gen generally, I love cloud. I love the cloud. I love the possibilities that are that it brings. It's a land of opportunity. It kind of is. It's uh, certainly made for a good career. <laughs> um, yeah. Have you got there? I started in AWS. What was that? 2016, beginning of 2016, was the beginning of 2016? Let's let's say that one for next time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're, yeah. we're going on an hour now, so. We are? I think we should, uh, almost, uh, it's um, 9.20. All right. Um, podcast goodbye fast. <laughs> podcast goodbye fast, okay. Um, all right. Um, so how, how often are we doing this? Are we doing this every week? Are we every two weeks or what? How's, what's the plan? Whatever feels comfortable. Um, we can, let's get the editing down first and okay. that'll help, help set the pace. Um, we, we still need to set up hosting. We're, we're recording. We don't know where this is going to live. Oh yeah. Um, <coughs> but the very least we should try to set a new topic each time mm -hmm. so next time configuration manage so we have configuration yeah. management tools um 
how we got into the, dare I say it, cloud. In the cloud? Cloud. Yeah. I, I hate cloud. I can, I can rant for <laughs> half an hour about why that definition is so stupid. Uh, we can keep, keep, that, keep, that, keep that energy for the next time we talk yep. about cloud. 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 Um, Until yeah, I, I, I think this was good. This is good. Yeah, this is a good start. Did you? Uh, I did. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna stop the recording now. Well, should we should, should we say goodnight? Oh yeah. Uh, so until next time. Uh, wait, 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 wait. So we, next um, week. Well, we need a way for people to contact us. We don't have that yet. Yeah. Uh, we do have a Gmail address. We do. And that's. Conway's con podcast at gmail.com. That sounds right. Yeah. Right. So if you want to reach us with any brain parts or ideas, <laughs> you, you can email us at Conway's con <coughs> podcast uh, at gmail.com. We'll probably Twitter add this. Handle. We do have Twitter a Twitter handle, YouTube anything? channel, Twitter <laughs> handle, YouTube channel, uh, Facebook page uh, to come. <laughs> to come, yes. Um, we're gonna squid. Uh, we're gonna skip Twitch and go to the next newer stream, whatever that is, because um, we are all about the new things. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, and next week we'll talk about uh, configuration management. China's next week. China's next week. Good night. Good night and thank you.